Welcome to The Tax Factor, the top 20 business and investment podcast from Blick Rothenberg, the tax, accounting and business advisory firm. This week with Nimesh Shah and Martin Reynard. I'm Nimesh Shah and welcome to The Tax Factor, our top 20 business and investment podcast that keeps you up to date on all things tax. Following last week's sensational episode, the Blick Rothenberg studio floor is littered with empty crisp packets of hula hoops, Monster Munch and Walker's Poppadums, of course. Clearly, Matt and Ellie undertook a great deal of research into last week's That Story. This week, we have a pension special. Yes, you heard it right. A whole tax factor dedicated to pensions. And I'm joined by pensions hero, Martin Reynard, a senior manager at Blick Rothenberg, who spent all of his working life looking into the world of pensions. So Martin, thank you so much for joining us on this week episode of The Tax Factor and sharing your wealth of knowledge on pensions, a subject which sends shivers down the spine of the most seasoned tax professional. Let's kick off, Martin. Why should everyone be contributing to a pension? Thank you for having me along, Nimesh. Pensions themselves fit into that realm of setting aside, or you and your employer setting aside money whilst you're working to build up some kind of retirement war chest. When you stop to draw upon in that phase of life, no one says it has to be a pension plan on, on that you may please yourself, but there is certainly plenty of tax incentives to use pensions for that purpose. And just talk about those tax incentives, because I think that's what people associate pensions with. Just touching upon, well, what happens when you contribute to a pension? So within limits, and no doubt we'll get to speak about those, but within limits, pension contributions that you and your employer put in will enjoy tax relief and currently at the highest marginal rate of income tax that you pay. So that could mean income tax of uh, savings of 20%, 40%, 45% even. And those contributions go into a pension fund that itself will generally be exempt from tax on, on its growth and income. It's very much a tax deferral exercise, so you will eventually account for and look to pay income tax when you draw retirement benefits. But even then, again, within limits, 25% of that pension fund can be withdrawn tax-free and you simply pay income tax, quite possibly at a lower rate once you've retired. You will pay income tax on what you draw from the balance. And Martin, you talked about a few restrictions and limits associated with pensions. It sounds too good to be true. All this tax relief on the way in, tax-free income and gains whilst it's in the pension, albeit you get a bit of tax when you retire and take it out of the pension itself. But let's talk about a deeper dive into those restrictions and limits and start with the limit associated with how much you can contribute into a pension, the annual allowance and a possible opportunity for people listening in about how much they could contribute and maximise contributions before the end of the tax year. So go back to basics on the annual allowance, please, Martin. There are no, you know, strictly speaking, there are no limits on how much you can contribute into a pension, but there's very much a limit on how much you can pay and receive these tax breaks. And that, as you say, is known as the annual allowance. And the annual allowance for the current tax year, 2023-24, is is set at £60,000, which means that you and your employer between you can make gross pension contributions this tax year of up to £60,000 with the full tax break. Nothing to to prevent more being paid in, but you won't get the tax breaks on that excess. The annual allowance has been with us for many years and has been very varied to say the least. The the, the 60,000 limit was introduced from this tax year announced in the budget in March last year. In more recent years, it's been set at £40,000. And earlier years are relevant because if you contribute more in the current tax year in excess of your annual allowance, then you 
are able to look back at the three prior tax years and to the extent contributions were within an earlier year's allowance, if you can carry forward the unused allowance into the current tax year to cover the in-year excess. And you have until these things work on a tax year basis, you, so you have until 5th of April 2024 to make a contribution to pick up whatever allowance you've got for this year and indeed to start picking up from the three prior years. And if you are keen on pensions this year, it's worth doing that by 5th April before the earliest tax year of 2020-21 drops out of the three-year carry forward. Yeah, so if you've had a big windfall, a big bonus, say, uh, and you want to put more in your pension above your lifetime, uh, sorry, your annual allowance of 60,000, then you could look at some earlier years where you have got some unused relief there and really top it up to maximise those contributions as much as possible and get that tax relief. We've talked about what happens during your life, but there's something called the lifetime allowance, which is soon to be no more. So the spring budget of 2022, Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, abolished the lifetime allowance in a blaze of glory. This was a measure that it was really targeted at encouraging NHS consultants back into work. The lifetime allowance charge had become a bit of a barrier for consultants to continue to work and build up very generous pension benefits, which would suffer a penal tax charge. So the Chancellor said he's going to abolish it in the hope that doctors would return back to the workforce in waves. And I believe that anecdotally, that's largely been the case. The cost of that measure at the time was $1 billion, And on the day after the budget, as often is the case, the shadow Chancellor, Rachel Reeves, said it was a tax cut for the wealthy. And Labour government would reinstate the LTA. What a mess, someone said to me on the day after the budget, if that is to happen. So Martin, firstly explain in layman's terms the issue with the lifetime allowance. And do you have any thoughts how this would work if a Labour government was to put the LTA back in place in, say, about a year's time? I know this is a topic that comes up a lot. People are worried about the lifetime allowance coming back. In the same way that, that we find many people have got uh, pensions, uh, certainly everybody's got a lifetime allowance. I mean, how, how much your particular life lifetime allowance might be will depend upon history. When introduced in 2006, the lifetime allowance was set at one and a half million pounds and it grew incrementally over the following five years to reach 1.8 million. That then followed a series of progressive reductions in, in 2012, in 2014, and by 2016, it was down to just one million pounds, having passed through one and a half million and one and a quarter million on the way. It has since, through links to inflation, reached the rather peculiar figure of one million and 73,100 pounds, but that will be remain familiar to many people going forward. But what people have been able to do as those reductions were introduced in early years is apply to secure and fix themselves at a higher rate of allowance, albeit conditional on no future contributions paid. So I, I explain all of that because the statement everyone's got a lifetime allowance is true enough. It very much depends on your situation and what you did in the past as to what it would be. Now, the main point about the lifetime allowance is that it is your own limit on your funds that, that will be tax efficient in, in that sense, as I said earlier, that 25% can be tax-free and 75% when you draw on it is taxed as income. With the lifetime allowance in play, to the extent that your pension funds prove to be in excess of the lifetime allowance, and that test was something that would normally happen on retirement or perhaps on death, with even a mop-up test at 75, if you got that far without it previously being tested, to, to the extent you're in excess of the lifetime 
lifetime allowance. Um, there was uh, a lifetime allowance charge, which effectively operated as a tax surcharge on the excess benefits. And that the amount of that would depend upon how you took the excess. If you took it as a lump sum, it would be a 55% tax charge on that excess. If the, you use the excess to, to provide uh, additional retirement income, there'd be a flat charge of 25% on the excess. So that would just come out of the fund altogether. And uh, when you, you could only draw then on the 75% that remained and you would then pay, pay the income tax. Now, in abolishing the lifetime allowance, what the Chancellor has done is in effect re remove those tax surcharges. But what remains is income tax. There's no new extra tax-free money to come out of pensions. The lifetime allowance is in part being replaced by a new lifetime lump sum allowance, which will be equivalent to 25% of whatever your lifetime allowance used to be. So for many people, that's £268,275. Anything you draw from pensions over and above that, you will pay income tax. That fundamentally is unchanged. But what has gone is this, this surcharge on pension funds. When the Chancellor first announced he was abolishing the lifetime allowance, of course, we thought the whole system was going to be ripped apart and replaced and, and done away with. That's simply not been the case. It's been more of a rebranding exercise in that many of the old limits regarding what can be paid tax-free as lump sums in lifetime on, on death are unchanged. And if anything, are hard written into legislation in, in pound note figures now. But what, uh, as I say, has disappeared is the tax surcharge. Labour has since been fairly quiet on it. I suppose they will need to take a view on, on what the loss to the Treasury is, is of that particular pensions surcharge. But there's certainly no suggestion, I think, that, that wealthy people are suddenly going to be skipping off into the sunset with tax-free pension funds. There is no more tax-free to be had, just perhaps a lower tax burden uh, and a more reasonable tax burden being set at income tax on anything above a relatively modest tax-free allowance. And I think, Martin, it was the 55% that really caught the headlines of, say, the NHS consultants, people who had put in more into their pension in excess of that lifetime allowance. And as you say, what the Chancellor did was now remove that 55% surcharge so that people could have more contributions into their pension without suffering that penal tax charge. I think it's going to be viciously complicated if any future government decides to reinstate the LTA. I suppose one of the good things with the LTA going is it is a form of simplification, albeit even in the few minutes that we've been talking so far, pensions are viciously complicated. We could talk about this all day, uh, but we don't have all day. So let's talk about what may happen when you retire. But so in particular, in 2014, Martin, I'm sure you remember that far back, George Osborne and David Cameron played a bit of a political masterstroke by introducing pension freedoms, which basically allowed you to fully access your pension pots. And there were lots of stories at the time I remember about pensioners in Ferrari dealerships uh, using their pensions to go and buy very expensive cars and yachts. So very briefly, what were pension freedoms? freedoms at the time. And you spotted a bit of a sting when it comes to pension freedoms and accessing your pension pots. So enlighten us a bit more on that possible opportunity to recover some potentially overpaid tax when you are benefiting from pensions freedoms. Yeah, I mean, pension freedoms basically means, well, as long as you're old enough, which is sort of 55 or age 57 from 2028. But as long as you're old enough, you can take what you want when you want and spend it how you like, as long as you're prepared to pay the tax. I mean, uh, hopefully people are a little more uh, rational about using their pension for 
runs to, to support them in, in retirement. Prior to that, there had been you know, the amount you could draw down annually from a pension plan by and large had a cap built into the system to ensure some kind of lifetime sustainability, but broadly speaking, but from 2015, as I say, those restrictions were removed. It does mean that it's quite common that people might take an ad hoc withdrawal from a pension fund without it being committed to a regular annual or, or monthly withdrawal. The issue is more of a tax come cash flow practicality. To take an example, it might be that someone has no other particular sources of income, but say looks to withdraw, take a taxable withdrawal from their pension fund of £12,000, which would ordinarily be within their personal allowance. And that's going to be their only withdrawal for that tax year. Whilst taxable being within the personal allowance, it would not be subject to income tax. Yet the payment itself by the pension company has to be paid through PAYE. And PAYE is not subtle about it. It will assume that this payment you've received is not a one-off. Rather, it is the first of a series of monthly payments, potentially assuming your your actually total income from the year from this pension is going to be £144,000, 12 payments at the £12,000 each. That, as you'll be aware, at that level of income would see you falling into tax bounds of 20%, of 40%, of 45%. It would even take away the personal allowance that you were trying to use to get the money tax-free in the first place. So that there would be money deducted at source. It's a peculiar setup, almost akin to employing one person to dig a hole and another person to fill it in and feeling you've employed two people yet achieve nothing. This system seems set to deduct tax that's not due through the pension provider. Equally, it it engages HMRC in repaying that tax that isn't due. And in between, you have the, the poor taxpayer who has to fill in a form and hopefully they pick the right one of three forms to get that tax back. It's not an ideal system. We struggle to think what an alternative might be. It's obvious why you would use PAYE, but it just shows you one of the complications of trying to draw out your, your pension funds. The many complications, Martin, with pensions. So if you are driving around in your Ferrari, uh, you may be due some tax back. So definitely worth checking if you have overpaid tax on accessing your pension pots. And I suppose the other side of it, Martin, as well is, and we haven't touched on it so far, is pensions are actually an inheritance tax wrapper as well now since those rule changes back in 2000. 2014. So pension pots can f- pass freely for inheritance tax purposes, albeit there can be income tax when a beneficiary does draw down on that pension in the future. Uh, so worth taking lots of advice around if you are accessing your pensions based on the pension freedoms, think about the inheritance tax implications as well as the income tax implications of what you mentioned. And if you are being pushed into those higher rates of tax, as you say, We have run out of time, but just before we finish off, I get asked all the time, as a tax advisor, is it best to contribute into a pension or an ISA? And I think I know what the answer is here, Martin, but pensions versus ISAs, which one comes out on top? (laughs) <laughs> Very quickly, if you're committed to saving for your retirement and, and you're prepared to wait till you're old enough to get the money, pensions hands down within the limits discussed. But a pension plan's no good to you in your 40s when the latest storms just rip your roof off. For that, you need access. And for those other external savings, and you should have them, use an ISA. Thank you for that, Martin. The pension wins again. That's all we have time for this week. Uh, my thanks to Martin Reynard for condensing 30 years of pensions knowledge into about 10 minutes. I'm pleased I have Martin on speed dial when it comes to any of my own pension queries. And it's so important to get specialist input if you are thinking of doing anything with your pension. 
Is there a topic you're really keen to hear more about and you'd like us to cover? You can visit the Tax Factor page on our website where you'll find a form to contact us. We record the podcast on a Wednesday, so you can message us right up to the time we record. I'm sorry, but we can't give individual advice or responses to messages. I'm Nimesh Shah. Thanks so much for listening to this pension special of The Tax Factor. I hope you've learned as much as I have from Martin. Have a great weekend. That's The Tax Factor. We'd like to thank you for making us one of the UK's top 20 podcasts. Find all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again next time on The Tax Factor. We'll be right back.